You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with Industry Influencer of the Year, Kirk Stafford and guests. Proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and save 40% of their time processing maintenance requests. Box Brownie, the innovators in property photography. Have a look at their new product, Snap, Snap, Snap. This is the brand new phone app designed specifically for real estate agents, which allows you to shoot professional quality photographs straight from your phones. Inspection Express, they're the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties, as well as Agent Dynamics, the market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Well, hello again, and uh, welcome to the next in the series of Influential Conversations. And today I have joining me a very special guest, and that is the Dazzling Alison Hatch from Best Nest Property in Windsor in New South Wales. Now, Alison's been around the industry for a little while. She's not quite as old and crusty as I am, as you can probably see from her photo. 23 years in the business, started Best Nest in 2018. So it's a four and a half year old business, which you know has been a, an interesting time to be running a new business, I would think, Alison. It definitely has been. So we've we've been through the the COVID experience, which I think hit a lot of businesses uh, in different ways, and it 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 enabled us to find new ways to get through things. Put it that way, as as an emerging oh, business. Yeah, we've mm. certainly become inventive and adaptive as a breed, haven't we? <laughs> There's always a positive. So that oh, that yeah. was the positive of what we learned from it. Mm-hmm, that's right. And after what just under four and a half years, you're now employing five people. You've got a rent roll in excess of 200 properties. So how did you get here? What, what brought you into real estate? Because I know you said you didn't start when we had our little chat a minute ago. You said you didn't start in PM, which is probably not such a bad thing sometimes. What <laughs> brought you into real estate to start with? How did you get here? Oh, that's a really big question because I feel like I was led here. But realistically, what I did, I moved to Queensland in 2000 and I came from the Hawkesbury District, which is a peri-urban area, really rural and, and lovely. And I hit Brisbane. I didn't have a job. <laughs> so I had to find one very quickly. And I'm, I'm very proactive and I love working. So I door knocked. I hit the doors. I come from marketing background when I left school and I knocked on doors until I walked into a family-owned real estate and I talked to them about marketing and any jobs they had available and they said, have you ever tried sales? And that was the door open for me. And I went, no, but I'd love to. So mm-hmm. uh, I started off in sales in that and it was a booming time in Queensland back then. So it was very fast-paced learning. Uh, yeah. and there's a lot of clients and, and a lot of, yeah. So it was an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from real estate selling, selling real estate on the Gold Coast in 2000. Yes. Where, where to next? <clears throat> where did you end up with from there, from there? After that, I moved offices to a business that I felt aligned with my values in a much more strong way. So 
So a friend of mine was starting up a property management business. She did want to have a sale arm of it. And she asked me if I would start that sale arm for her. So I was only very new. I'd only been in sales, you know, sort of a year when she asked me that question. And, um, and I wanted that challenge. So I'd always grown through the ranks of businesses and I wanted to push myself. So I said, yes, um, as I'm prone to do. And I jumped into that boutique, which became one of the largest real estate property management businesses in Queensland. It's really um, an amazing business. And she was an amazing mentor and role model. So I saw what she did in property management, thought she was mad doing it and uh, and kept along my sale path until uh, I did fall pregnant and started having my little people and I wanted to take time out of that and come back home to the Hawkesbury uh, so that I could bring them up near family and and give yeah. them the, grow- the upbringing I had. Yeah, and, and now after, you know, 20 odd years in the industry, um, mm. do you still think your friend was mad? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do. You know, and yeah. she's gone on to amazing legs in, in her, um, you know, in what she does now. She's an REIQ trainer and she's an amazing uh, role model to me, amazing female. I don't know. I, I went into property management as a casual role after the kids were just starting into school and I had that more time and I, I thought that I'd, I'd test that out. And after three months, I was saying to you, I just went, what have I done? You know, she was mad. I, I don't know if I want to do this. This is just... It just so out of my depth, it wasn't marketing, it wasn't sales, it was something totally different. And I remember calling a friend on the phone and saying, what have I done? What did you let me do, you know, uh, when I was at work? But after about three months, I realised I can, this is me, I can help here. It was more about the people than the property. I realised that it was how to keep them safe and secure. That's what they were after. And I could deliver that. So I actually started to get really comfortable with testing that property management journey and um, and testing my skills there, and I loved it is what mm. I found. And I think once you get to that point that, pardon me, that you realise it's, it's, it's not about the, the physical structure. Mm. Mm. It's about the ephemeral. It's about the relationship that you have with both yes. sides. Um, but it's actually not just both sides. It's also the people on the, the, the outside of that as well, people like your contractors that mm. um, that help you deliver that sort of service. So your industry suppliers, your software mm. and all those sorts of things that, that sort of round that picture out. So it, it's, it is about the relationship, but I guess the, 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 the central relationships that we have are with our landlords and with our tenants. Mm. And they can be, know. yeah, and, and they can be, a little frustrating at times because you know, mm. people are people. As, as actually, as an old boss of mine, thirty years ago would say to me, he said, "You know, Kirk, people are funny cattle." <laughs> that's one of those things that just stick in your head and come out from time to time. That one's still in there. <laughs> it's funny those things that you remember like that. And and I so agree. People are people and all everybody's different. So it creates this unique role, I find, that every day is different. Every, and, and there's challenges, yes, uh, but I feel like getting over those challenges and finding ways to get over them that create a change, good or bad, like this, you know, nothing's perfect. Um, I found that a great part about the industry. I found that a really, uh, it's probably what holds me to the role, that Mm. there's always a challenge, there's always something to learn, there's always something to give back, there's always a new way to solve something. And, you know, the outcome can be life-changing in what we do. We're managing people's greatest assets. 
So with your experience and with your help and with your support, you can just change a whole world for someone, whether that be financially or, or whether that be, you know, task-based on the property. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually um, we're very lucky in what we do that we get to mm. do this. Oh, yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. We, we, and and, and as, as frustrated as we get, every industry's got its own frustrations in it, but we get to uh, see people at their best and also obviously I think yes. at their worst, but we actually get to influence that, don't we? Yes, we you get do. To, yeah, we, we get to give them better outcomes, whether it's better, as you said before, better financial outcome or a better housing outcome, whatever that is. Mm. No, yeah. definitely. And and that's yeah. what yeah. I see now. As I've grown through it and grown older and, and I look at all of this, you know, you can get really bogged down with things. We, we're a very task-based job, so you can get very bogged down in all of those things. And, you know, there's no perfect day. When anyone asks me how I am, um, my response is, without even thinking, I'm always well. And I remember yeah. someone saying to me, you can't always be well. No one's always well. That's just false optimism. And I said, I disagree. I disagree. You know why I'm always well? I'm always well because that's my mindset. That's my habit. That's what I say to rejig myself into the fact that it's just not that bad. You know, mm-hmm. having to make an arrears phone call, it's just not that bad. It's just a phone call. And then you move on and you solve it and you move on to the next one. And, and so it's just that a part of your day might be difficult, but it's not your whole day. Or a part of life might be challenging, but it's not your whole life. So that's my reset. You know, I'm always yep. well because because really I am. I've, I've had this amazing life with fantastic opportunities. My health is good. I have, you know, beautiful children. And, and I work with a team that drives me and inspires me. So, mm-hmm. you know, what, what can be better than that? So that, that's how I see it. Well, yeah, that's right. And, and you're right. When you look at it that way, I think we all get bogged down. And I'm very much like you. I'm, you know, somebody asked me how I'm, oh, I'm, I'm great. I'm with it. I'm really well because I'm never I'm never not even if I've got a you know bit of a cold or something like that. That's only temporary, really. And okay. and and everything that we have in life is just fleeting, really. Yes. But when we get when we get bogged down, we get bogged down, and that we we tend to allow a five minute phone call or a ten minute phone call to completely upset and derail our day or our week. Yes. Yeah. Without realizing that it's yeah. You know, and what do they say? You know, one one minute out of your day is, you know, or what was it? No, was it ten minutes out of your day to meditate? Is you know, one percent of your day, or something along those lines? Mm. So why would you allow one percent of your day to derail the other ninety nine percent? It's so, so true. It's, I think that you know part of the answer in that lives of in, in who the industry draws in. We draw a lot of empaths. We've had this discussion before, you and I, about mm. people absorb everything. They can't, they, they haven't learned. And I think this is the difference to being sticky in the industry. I think you start to stick to it and you start to see problems as challenges when you, when you don't absorb everything that everybody around you is going through. And instead you can breathe, observe it, and then change your mindset and go, well, instead of sitting in that problem, how can I help it? How can mm-hmm. I solve it? What, With my skills and what I've learned and my support, what can I give to change that? And a beautiful example of that is we're all going through, uh, you know, they talk about the crisis, the property crisis, and I don't like to talk that up too much because nothing's a crisis. We'll go through it, we'll find a solution, and we'll move forward, and then there'll be a new crisis. So (laughs) it is what it is, and it doesn't make light of people's financial situation not having a home and not being able to afford property. So locally for us, it's the ability to afford the property. That's the problem. 
And so the property managers dealing through this situation, you know, with their empathy, find it so tough. Imagine making a phone call to someone who's applied for 15 properties and saying, sorry, you didn't get this one. And it's a really tough conversation for very empathetic people to have. And they have to then be able to have that mindset of, okay, breathe, think, how do I help this person? Can I talk to them about how it can become more their budget? Can not, not being a financial planner, but this is the affordable housing ratio. We do it at 30%. Here's what you can afford. Here's the properties that can, you can go for. Here's support and help that you can go to. There's free financial planners. Uh, there's so much help. And we can actually empower that person rather mm. than just be another person that says, sorry, we can't help you today. And that's what you can get out of it. And if you do that, instead of make the call and go, sorry, we can't help you, you're declined, into I'm really sorry, that house isn't suitable for this reason, but here's the information we can give you to help you. Here's what you can apply for. Here's other homes. Here's support networks. And that person will have a whole different outcome, different conversation. The property manager will work off actually feeling satisfied that they gave something. And Mm -hmm. if we keep those techniques in every little task you do, you know, I think our industry would change. Yep, you're right. And I I like that idea. And I think one of the things that a lot of property managers look at when they say, sorry, your application's declined, they don't want to get into the whole back and forth debate. But if you can go to them with, say, okay, it was because, and this is probably going to sort of start some conversation with some people. (laughs) Telling them why. (laughs) That's right. We've just got to be, we've also got to be really careful of, Pardon me, of anti-discrimination laws and all those yes, sorts of things. We don't, mm. We're not seen to be discriminating, and people can always take you know, what we say and, and turn it around. But if we can go to them and say, well, you know, here's an alternative for you to maybe help improve your opportunities next time, maybe give you a better chance of getting the next property that you apply mm. for because this one's already gone to someone else. That's a good way to look at things. So we can expand that through to... Any conversation we have, really, we can have the same conversation with our landlords. Yes. Yeah, you know, look, the, the hot water service is now gone twice on us or the dishwasher or whatever appliance it is. It's now gone twice on us for whatever. Don't you think it's probably going to be a bit more economical if we replace the entire unit? I've done a bit of work on it. Here's what I've found as alternatives in terms of just the pure unit cost and then we can look at the installation. Wouldn't that be a better conversation to have with your landlord rather than picking up the phone every five minutes and going, oh, it's gone again? Something's wrong. Yeah, something's yep. wrong. And and you're so right in that. And this is this is going to fall back into another part because this is so layered, what we do. But the conversation we're, we're having right now in how to solve problems and how to deliver that information, I feel like then there's another layer to it because I think the reason why people aren't providing asset care, they're doing standard property management, quick, get the task done, deliver the quick information, quickly feel bad about it, is that they're not feeling like they have the time or the support or the training to deliver those conversations. And everybody calls them tough conversations. I, again, mindset, is it a tough conversation? Or is it a helpful conversation to give information that enables someone to make a better choice? So it gets just, it's continually retraining your mind of how you're thinking through something so that, you know, if that's how you see it, then you will actually take the time to have that little bit of a longer conversation, do that more due diligence or find out that more information to give that person. It's always their decision. Ultimately, we're conduits of service. You know, so it, it, you don't have to take it on board. And, mm. and that's, I suppose, the information. I would love to see more people get coming through the industry. I didn't get it. I, I learned yeah. it, you know, and I deliver that so heavily to my team 
you know, all the time. We're continually working on that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think part of the it is. I mean, look, and, and you said before we're we're you know we're um, an industry of empaths, and we are, but we're also, yes. I think, an industry of people pleasers, which sort yes. of goes hand in hand with the, yes. the, the empathy part. But yes. you know, we're we're afraid that we're going to upset someone by delivering news to them, mm-hmm. and that's something that we've we've got to get away from the mindset of, yes. because we're taking it all on at that point mm-hmm. when we start to say. Oh, I'm afraid to call you know, Mrs. Hatch because you know I, I know she's going to be really cross when I tell her that the hot water service is gone, all the tenants in arrears. Mm-hmm. It's not you haven't caused that as the property yeah. manager. We've got to get away from that. And going, yeah, you know, we can, we just need to detach. And you said it before. We need to observe rather than absorb. And that's something that I got out of our very first conversation now about three years ago was that yes. that those three words: observe, don't absorb. But we we've got to become the as you said before the conduit, and it's it's a matter of stepping back from ownership of the problem. Our role is to have a solution uh, rather than just say, "Oh, look, the whole water service is gone. What do you want me to do?" That's right. As I think I as I think I did my second week in the role. Of years <laughs> and, years. and you um, can hear the eye roll on the other end of the. <laughs> Well, it wasn't actually. I got, I got that exasperated side from this <laughs> And he said, I pay you to manage the property for yes. me, not bring the problems. I went, okay, all right, quick, big lesson. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, but you've got to, you've got to have that <clears throat> awareness given to you at some stage mm. that you don't own the problem. Unless you've created it somehow, which sometimes we can do when our communication falls off, but we we don't create the problems. We're purely there to solve them. And if we can get away from that, we can take a lot of the toughness out of our lives and start to give ourselves a, a little bit of a little bit of our own self support to do so. So true. Because, yeah. Yeah. So true. I think. Um, yeah. It's really important. These conversations are so important. Because, again, I learned by doing, you learned by doing, and, and that was the mantra, you know, there wasn't as much training. You sort of just, you know, get in there, float, see who floats, and the, the people that don't go out of the industry and the people that do stay. Um, not the nicest way to learn, but also build, does build resilience. There's two parts to it. You know, it, it, I didn't think it was amazing learning like that. Would I like to learn differently? Yes. But did it make me autonomous? Yes. Did it make me aware that I had to find the solutions? Yes. And my upbringing, I'm very... I'm very fortunate to have the upbringing I had. I grew up in a family where you get in more trouble for telling the lie than you do for the for, for the behaviour. You know, so mm-hmm. accountability was really driven into us and creative space. We were allowed space to, I'm one of four girls, um, poor parents. We were allowed space to solve the problem. It wasn't given to us. We weren't just told, bang, there's your answer, go and do, go and do. It was, mm-hmm. okay, well, you've got that problem. What are you going to do about it? It was the questions and the coaching. And I don't even think my parents realised that they did that, but they coached you through where you needed to get to um, to find this solution. And it was a whole solution. And, and there was a, a really heavy emphasis on task completion as well. You know, and I'm not going to get into child rearing because it's not, not my my cause. I remember things like, you know how we tell kids, um, they make do something and they're being really creative and we say, hurry up, we've got to go and pack it up and let's 
And I, I cringe because I go, oh, I know we need clean spaces and I know they need that the, the, they've got to just sometimes just finish and know that there's an end. But also put that project aside because please finish, finish it later. You know, where's that? Because it's this end, it's this completing tasks too. And I find that in property management is a real big uh, part of it. There's so many tasks not done so many things left open-ended, so many conversations not had, that the role gets really difficult and, and it grows more difficult until it becomes this huge problem of how you're doing your role. And, and you know, whereas it can just, those conversations like with that landlord, if you wait, does the conversation get worse? If you wait, yeah. are the repairs bigger? If you wait, yeah. does it make the conversation any less difficult? No. So, yeah. you know, eat the frog. Um, yep. and, and get it done and get it solved. So mm -hmm. I, I think that that could help um, emerging property managers as well. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I totally agree. And it's something that mm -hmm. and I, I, I heard this <clears throat> and, and learned it years ago. It's that and it doesn't matter what field, what area of life you're in, you're known for the things you don't do or you haven't done rather than things yes. you do. You, yes. you create your reputation on the basis of what, what you haven't done, that you've said you're going to, that, that you haven't done. That's a fact, isn't it? Because that's yeah. referral. Like when, when you talk to clients and you talk to people about why they choose you or why they're moving to you or what's happening, you hear about all the pain points that weren't done, the lack of communication, mm -hmm. the calls that weren't made, the, the things that weren't authorised, the, the the lack of consistency. You hear all of that. So yep. that is so true. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. And they're the things that add to add to the stress on us because, you know, we, we, number one, we know we've got this pile of tasks over here that mm -hmm. we haven't got to. Mm. which are probably things that we need to prioritise. We need to move them to the centre on, on a mm. daily basis and go, okay, these are the things I'm going to do first. Oh, here we go. We're, we're, suddenly we're in a masterclass on time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, if we did that, we'd actually find that we lessen the pressure on ourselves and therefore you'd probably find the role wouldn't be quite as bad. We wouldn't be facing the challenges that we are at the moment with People leaving the industry because they're, they're they're burned out, and I can see why some of them are because they're they're, they're not getting the support. They they don't know where to go, but we'd also have better people coming in, and we'd be better skilled and probably mentally better prepared for for each day. But what about what about you in terms of not so much burnout, but coping with the role? I mean, you're a business owner, you've got five staff, you've got two hundred and twenty sets of clients times two. That that's a lot to take on. There are times when this job gets tough. It gets tough for everybody. Where do you go when things are like that? Other than Tasmania, which we know you just come back, <laughs> which is a great place to be. No, that's well, it's a great place to be. Great wine district. Um, no, let's keep away from that. Um, but where do you go mentally or internally to find your your, your strength, your inspiration, your influences when things are starting to to mount up like that? I think if things are feeling like that for me, again, I'm fortunate that that's not frequent. I build my life in a way where I see things as just challenges, just blips in a day, not an overwhelming cycle. So I feel like I've got the emotional intelligence and the development. I've worked on this a long time. This doesn't just come. It's not just, oh, okay, you know, she, she doesn't take things too deeply. It's not that at all. It's that I've worked for a really long time to understand who I am, how I work, what works for me best. And I don't always get it right. Nobody does. I don't always get the perfect amount of sleep and, and you know, I can be, you know, kilos heavier than I want to be or, or whatever it might be. It's not nothing perfect. 
but I just don't take it too personally. I don't sit in my feelings of how I feel about the overwhelming side to things. I step back and I look at it and I might do something as simple as I'll just go for a walk. Every single morning, actually, I get up and I go for a walk. And I love that about my day. I look at things new. I say hello to people. I look at people in the eye. I see people out in my community. They're smiling. I'm smiling. It's just a great start to a day. So I yep. have to say just starting it with something that you find pleasant and that and that gets you out of your own space is fabulous. So that's what I do every single day. I take my little dog for a walk. And then throughout the day, check yourself and keep yourself in check for those positive, re- you know, how are you? I'm always well. All of these little things and these little habits help. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually go to a certain place or a special place, but but I definitely do take time to, as I said, go for a walk, put some headphones on and train. I'm really inspired by other people's journeys. Other, so I love this podcast idea that you've got. So I'm going to take a little sidebar to say, yeah. good on you, because we look at all these really influential, inspirational leaders and these people that have just, you know, gone to, you know, lengths that seem so far away. You know, they, they have, they've, they've achieve, achieved amazing things in their life and their businesses and not just real estate, but all businesses. And they're really inspiring, but it's the people that are doing the day-to-day, the small business owners, the medium business owners, the people looking after the, the teams, the people that I actually get so much inspiration from them. So I go to my people uh, and I will touch base with them. If I, if I am having just a little bit of a tougher day, use your support network. And if you don't have one, develop one. So I would yeah. have to say that kudos to you for this podcast because it, it has the voices of those people in it mm-hmm. and, and they inspire me every day. Yeah. Um, and how they're overcoming all these small things that we're talking about now, that, that's, that's really set you on the right path. So um, have a great network. You know, get in touch with other property managers in your industry and get them together for, for a monthly catch-up. And don't bitch and moan and whinge about tenants. Don't make it anything personal, um, you know, whose workplace is better, nothing like that. But actually talk about how you achieved something or how you got over something or something that you're finding tough and, you know, they'll have you back. So I think that that's a really good tip as well to sort of field through things. But don't sit in the problem, attack it, face it, move forward over it is my, is my yep. biggest technique for it. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good one <clears throat> that mm. you, because we do, we tend to wallow. Somebody, yeah. said, <laughs> the, the, somebody said it was, you know, you, we, we have hippo time and I can't remember. That's <laughs> when you wallow in the mud of your problem. <laughs> And, and it was a it was a really good. I can't remember who the platform speaker was. I heard say. So I thought that's a really good analogy. <laughs> we subside into it, and we 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 almost take a pleasure out mm. of being in it that far. When yes, you know, really all that's doing is just pulling us down. If if we were sort of like like the water birds, and we sort of stepped across the top of the surface, and and we didn't get down into the depths of it, we'd actually find that the problem's not the problem. The problem yeah. is the way we look at the problem. That's right. It, it's that proactive side. So you, when you asked me that question, I actually to really think about it. What do I do to, to get over things? Because I don't, I don't have you know a set technique or anything. I know what I do to have a happier day. You know that that walking and the other things. But you're so right. We do tend to wallow, and and that's okay. It's okay to feel deeply, and it's okay to think hard about something, and it's okay to be reflective on it. But don't stay there, and do mm. the work on yourself that's required so that you don't stay there. And people will find that work harder than others. There are people who find that work, that that telling yourself the right story. Um, I went to PM Reach last week. I'm going to have to do a shout-out and mention to that because it's fantastic for rejigging your mental wellness and, and not just your mental wellness but just being well, 
being being well holistically and and taking the time to make sure that you've got enough to give um, to your clients, to yourself, to your family, or whatever it might be. And and that was um, I actually went there and I thought this is for my team. And then mm-hmm. when I got there, I went, I got, this is for me. I got a lot That's out right. of that, you know, for, yeah. for the whole and team and how yeah. to support. Yeah. And I, I did the Melbourne um, mm. conference last, uh, I think it was October, November. Mm. And same, same. Uh, mm. it, was, it is very much about that self-care. And, and yes. we, do, we do need to have that. We do need to reset from time to time and look mm. at things like that to, as, as our reminder that, you know, mm. It's okay to take some time for yourself. It's okay to you know, be told at some stage internally, oh, hang on, I've gone off track. How do I get back on track? Mm. Well, as you said, you know, you, you go for your walk. Do you take your phone with you when you go for a walk, though? Yes, I do. And and usually I only use it for podcast and music, so that's how I play my, my – I'm, I'm a big Audible fan, so mm. I have constantly got a book. I'm always reading. I'll try yeah. to read a book a week, every week, okay. and um, I'm and and so that's playing in my ear. But I, it is notorious that if I do see a message, I will go and I'll stop, isn't it? We do, we just do it. I don't even think yep. about it. And I think for me, I rationalise it because I say to myself, "Well, it's not even a conversation. It just I love what I do. I don't love it a little bit. I chose this lifestyle." I chose to do a business and make a business model that fit my life, that fit my lifestyle, that I do have have balance and there's no perfect balance. It's not a 50-50, but I I have that. And so me going for a walk and answering a message or doing whatever I do, I don't, it never sort of bothers me. I know maybe it should. Mm-hmm. I have cutoffs. You should, you yep. have to. If I'm with the or I'm doing yep. you have to. There's, there's non-negotiables, and if you don't have mm-hmm. those, then then. But in my time, if I chose to give it to anything um, apart from my children, it would be best nest and my clients. Yeah. So well, you know, that's that's a lifestyle choice for me. It makes me happy yeah. to to solve mm-hmm. and and to do, and to be responsive. Because you know what, I also am of. If I get those done now, I have that time later. I don't yeah. have that. You know, I, I cut right. off from a point, uh, yeah. which is really important. Yeah, exactly, and. And, and you do need to be able to, to shut off sometimes. So we, we are notoriously bad at it as an industry. <laughs> yes. And we've got to set those boundaries around it because yeah. if we don't, it's just going to become all-consuming and all the mm. stuff, all the, the people that we think we're doing it for are not the people we're doing yes. it for. It's yes. the other people that are putting, you know, maybe money in our pocket. But it's, it's yes. the, the ones that we really want to be doing it for, uh, like you said, like your children, like our families, like our friends. <laughs> To, so that we can have that lifestyle. Mm. And I reckon that's a, a really good point to end on. Um, again, I'm thrilled that you came on. Thank you so much for agreeing to be part mm. of this. It was You are one of the people that I really desperately wanted to get into this. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward because I'm coming up to see you and uh, and, and the people up there. And you are coming to our conference, which is very exciting. Yes, it, it will Excited be great. to have you. Mm. Yep, lovely. Thank you. So on, on that note, Thank you, Alison, for being part of this. And I look forward to seeing you in person again very, very soon. Thank you, Kirk. Happy to have me here. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversations series. These are brought to you proudly by Tappy, Box Brownie, Inspection Express and Agent Dynamics. Please be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.